So, for a while now, my wife has been saying that we should go on a holiday as a family. And to be honest with you, I'm dreading it. I, um, uh, you know, our relationship is not going that well. You know, sometimes things have been stressful. Some of the joys gone out of it. And if I'm honest, I've I've been dreading the prospect of it, and I, and I've been put, I've been putting off booking the the holiday, and then and actually the kind of like the it's just been hanging over me, and I've been feeling like I'm failing, and so I made a decision. What I'll do. Uh, is I just went online and I booked us as a family an all-inclusive holiday for a month. Month long. I've spent quite a lot of money on it, um, but I've committed us to... Uh, it, we're going to spend a month together. And every day we're going to do a series of activities... Uh, we're pretty much, you know, going to be together from the moment we wake up till the moment we go to sleep. And we're going to do that every day for four weeks. Because I figure, you know, because I've been putting it off and I could, you know, I, we could have had a conversation about it, I suppose. Could have sat down and said, you know, hey, I've been, been feeling elements of our relationship have become more of a stress than the joy that they used to be. Maybe we could have a talk about why that is. We could do that, but that, to me, seems... I don't know. It just doesn't seem as sensible to me as committing us to being forced to be together every day for a month. And... And hopefully, now that, you know, I've said publicly, I've, I've announced that we're going to do it, I've put up on Facebook that we're going, uh, I've made myself a little chart to mark each day. Hopefully, we'll just be forced to sort out our relationship, and by the end of it, we'll be real experts, because we'll have had to spend a month together, and so we'll have to get on. Not really, of course, that was a lengthy analogy for National Novel Writing Month, a.k.a. NaNoWriMo. I'm about to rant at you. Help yourself to a biscuit and strap in. Hello, this is Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name is Tim Clare. I'm an author and now I'm a podcaster. I used to go on stage and shout poems at people and thrust my groin at them while talking about bottoms and politics but now I do podcasting and I sit in my room and write. I'm also a dad since I started doing this podcast and this is a show for writers and for readers about writing, about reading, about stories, about everything to do with this 
bizarre artefact of modern culture that is storytelling and stories and fictional worlds and and just making things out of words. Today's episode is going to be a it's going to be what I've called I call these episodes writing rambles because I don't script them. I just uh, switch the mic on and talk. And a few people on Twitter had said, Tim, can you talk a bit about NaNoWriMo? Can you give us some tips for NaNoWriMo? And I, I, I ended up putting out a little tweet saying, you know, posted to a few of you. Some of you who chat to me on Twitter will know that because I'm at my desk, you know, I, I quite love Twitter when it's not making me feel like the world is a horrible mire of angry zombies <laughs> outside the... Uh, Outside the uh, paling of my uh, post-apocalyptic liberal bunker. Look, but anyway, I, I said, look, would it be helpful for me to talk about NaNoWriMo? Would it be helpful for me to have a, like a warm-up, a pep talk episode? Give you some tips if you're planning to do it? Maybe is there an author I could get on the show who's done NaNoWriMo, because I haven't, uh, to talk about it, to talk about the process, to give you some advice. And people said, yeah, yeah, well, maybe, could you speak to this author? Could you do this? Um, could you talk about this aspect of NaNoWriMo? And people started, you know, very, very kindly answering my question and giving me advice. And as they did, and as they suggested authors who've done it, and the books they produced, I found myself going, no, I don't really want to give that kind of tip because I don't really believe in that. Or they suggest an author and I go, no, I don't really want to ask them on the show because I'm sure they're a wonderful person. But to be honest, I read that book and I, I bounced off it a bit. You know, I thought it was a bit crap. And, you know, I like you've heard me when I've had guests on the show. Uh, I'm often really enthusiastic about them and going, oh, my gosh, I got to talk to such and such today. Now, that is not that is not a put on. I choose what guests I have on the show and generally I love their books and I always feel like I'd be slightly compromised if I'd read a book and thought it was a bit shit or to be less kind of judgy about it and uh, more subjective if I just didn't, if it didn't resonate with me at all, if I'd read it and kind of gone, oh, yeah, all right then, you know, I, I just feel it'd be unfair to get the author on. I feel I'd find that a stressful situation. So this went on for a while and, and, until I realised, you know what, I don't think I can do an episode recommend, like being, hey, hey, writing pals, are you, it's NaNoWriMo's coming up and here's my top tips on how to smash NaNoWriMo. Here's the thing. I, about just over a year ago, you know, I started releasing the first episodes of the Couch to 80k writing bootcamp, my eight-week course for doing creative writing, for getting back into fiction, for boosting your writing practice, for healing your relationship with writing. I know that sounds very twee and slightly kind of new agey, but I think that was what I'm, I think that's what I mean. I think that's those are the words I, I want to say, and. I just resist them because I feel vulnerable when I say it. When I say something like healing your relationship with writing, I imagine people are going to roll their eyes and go, Kuh. Oh, he, th he thinks rather highly of himself. Or he th he's an, you can tell he thinks he's an artiste. Because that's the kind of judgments I used to make on other people, actually, to be completely honest. That's why I feel weirdly vulnerable and like I'm saying the wrong thing or I sound like an arse when I say that. But... And it was partly then, and I remember I posted about it at the time, it was partly a direct response to NaNoWriMo, which is, you know, arguably the biggest, I was going to say the biggest event in the writing 
calendar. It's the only event in the writing calendar. There's no other upsides except for New Year's when people make writing resolutions. It's the there's it's this thing where we all sit where people we all where writers get together and say we're going to write something. But but and, and and before I go any further, I feel like it's important for me to those of you who don't know what NaNoWriMo is, who don't know about National Novel Writing Month. I feel like it's important before I go any further that I just make sure everyone's on the bus and define some terms. So if you don't know, uh, nano, and, and if you do know, don't worry, I'm not going to spend very long on this. I'm just uh, just going to give the bare bones. I'm not going to give like a cultural history of NaNoWriMo. So N National Novel Writing Month or NaNoWriMo is, happens in November and lots of writers online, it's mainly an online phenomenon, say, commit to saying they're going to write a novel in a month. Now, by novel, they mean 50,000 words, which is, we'll get to that in a minute, but like 50,000 words, uh, which means you're writing round about 2,000 words a day, every day. And they're going to start from scratch on the on the first of November, and then they're going to continue and have a and have fifty thousand words done by the end of the month. And the idea is that it's supposed to be a kind of marathon. The idea that it is, is that it that it's admittedly a lot to do, but that you can track your progress online. That people are using the NaNoWriMo hashtag. People are posting, "Hey, I did two thousand words today. I did one thousand words today. Hey, I did a, a write this morning. Hey, I need to catch up on NaNoWriMo. Oh gosh," and. Other writers are writing with you at the same time and everyone can sort of support each other. So it's, it's it, I don't think NaNoWriMo has ever been, and I've, I've read, you know, a little bit by the founder of NaNoWriMo as well, the guy who kind of like was one of the people who first came up with it. I don't think NaNoWriMo is ever supposed to be presenting itself as the model of how you should always write. It's slightly tongue-in-cheek, you know, it's, it's partly a, a fun challenge right like one of those courses where you have to run through mud and climb up ropes and you get really messy and it's it's supposed to be a challenge and it's supposed to be fun and the idea is that it's a communal exercise as well that it's something that we're doing as a community and as writers we all get to support each other and hopefully that by having this time compression we get to do more than we thought we were capable of and that might you know, that might be very encouraging. You might go, oh my gosh, I've written all this. And there's an understanding that you're only writing a first draft as well. That in, You're not expected to have a completed saleable novel by the end of the month. But it's this idea that you're going to push yourself, even if you've failed to hit that target of 50,000 words, that you will write more than you would have otherwise. And you'll have like a first draft, a very, very rough first draft of some of your novel, at least. And that'll be good. You'll have made a start. So that's the idea behind it, and that's generally the guiding philosophy behind it, in theory. In practice, and I have never done it myself, I've written, I've done, you know, some writing endurance, uh, quote-unquote, uh, events. I've, I've done some stuff where I impose those kind of restrictions on myself. I For, for several years, I, I did a, a thing in November, actually. I think it was traditionally the last Friday of November I would do. I think for five years I did this project called 100 Poems in a Day, where I'd write 100 poems in one day online, people suggesting titles to me on Twitter. So I, I've got some idea of the experience of doing these, like the, the, the writing equivalent of 
ultra running, right? And I know, you know, I've got some of the idea of the psychological effects of it, but also I am friends with a lot of writers. And now through the podcast, I have got to communicate with like literally hundreds of writers write to me, telling me about their writing lives, telling me what they've been through, telling me what's worked for them and what hasn't worked for them. And so bearing that in mind, um, oh, and, and the fact that I'm a professional writer and so I've had to tackle writing a novel multiple times. Here's my thoughts on it. People talk about, oh, I'm going to do, oh, you're going to do NaNoWriMo this year. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to write. Oh, I think I'm, this might be... My, Often I hear authors or sort of novice authors or people who are kind of like tickling around the edges of writing say, I've got this idea that I might do for NaNoWriMo this year. So often in the consciousness of writers, NaNoWriMo is is looming as this chance where they can finally try out an idea. Uh, it's it's something that they're going to commit to for, for the month of November and get some writing done. And with the idea that it's going to that it's a kind of a kickstart, you know, it's like a boost. They're going to hit this thing and then they're going to finally break the back of their novel. They're going to finally get... And then once they've got... Once they've got the... Once they've got the flywheel turning, once they've got the old ball rolling, then the rest of it will be easier because they'll have got some of it down, which sounds plausible. It doesn't sound like a ridiculous hypothesis, right? However, the number of writers who, after doing the Couch to 80K writing bootcamp, my eight-week course, which is all done in just these tiny, like, micro-sessions of 10 minutes a day and only six days a week maximum. So you are hugely limiting how much writing you're doing per day. And this is, of course, you know, explicitly meant for, like I say, healing people's relationship with writing, making someone reboot their writing practice and their relationship with their writing and how they feel about it you know whether they are just starting out and don't have much confidence or whether they're they're a professional who needs a soft reset you know needs to renegotiate some of their feelings who for, the, for whom you know someone who's burnt out who feels that it's not fun anymore that's i deliberately tried to go the opposite way to nanorumo and say, right, you're limited to 10 minutes a day and then you, ha then you have to stop. You don't get any more writing. Then when I go, stop, <laughs> which uh, I now realise it makes lots of people jump when I when I, when I I say that at the end of the 10 minute timer in each episode. But these are, it, it's a situation where you don't get to write very much, right? You're, you're told you've got to stop. And some people are quite resistant to that, having not written anything for months. As soon as I say, you can only write for 10 minutes a day, something like, well, I, want, I want to write more. But it's like, well, tough shit. But of course, there's a method to my madness there. The idea is that suddenly, and, it, and it's a psychological trick, it's a cheap trick, right? But you are suddenly now framing writing as something there's a scarcity of, rather than something that you are not doing enough of because here's the thing immediately when you start doing uh the uh as, as soon as you start doing NaNoWriMo it's a situation where you can never with that target of 50,000 words you can never in a single day be doing enough you you no matter how hard you work it can feel satisfying but you can never actually 
you're never you're not going to write 50,000 words in one day right so it's a constant feeling of every time you wake up oh gosh I've got to do more writing oh my gosh now you may start to get a flywheel going and and if you start doing you know 2,000 2,500 words a day there's that feeling of momentum and a kind of new facility and a new power but actually in my experience talking to people who do it a lot of people's experience of NaNoWriMo is that they do get a lot of writing done you know most people will do at least 10,000 words which isn't bad for a month if you've not been writing anything but writing becomes associated in their heads as they do NaNoWriMo with guilt and lack and in, in and in adequacy and inadequacy <laughs> I'm inadequate at pronouncing inadequacy you know like it, the, and then of course because they were rushing they look back at the writing and it's shite it's fucking shite what they've written so then they start they writing makes them feel guilty it makes them feel tired it's something they want to avoid it's something they dread and the writing they're producing when they do go through all that effort and make that herculean effort to kind of i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna sweat blood and write the writing shit so why on earth what rational person would ever choose to write after that and people give up right they, they you know they do nanoremo they knock out 30,000 40,000 words and then they don't fucking write again all of december people are going oh yeah i, I wrote something for nanoremo but um yeah i'm just have i'm just recovering before i go back to it before i have a look at it what the fuck what the fuck? Like, listen to yourselves, right? Listen to yourselves. The number of people who said they wrote something, who I had to speak to in January, February, who said I wrote something for NaNoWriMo, I haven't gone back to it yet. I did about 40,000 words. And they and, and they haven't written for the next two months. And, and that scene has been... You know, why not... If you are not going to write for the month before NaNoWriMo and not for the two months afterwards, why not? aim to write October, November, December, January, February, 12,000 words a month. That's 3,000 words a week less than that. Why do that? Because it doesn't seem dramatic, right? It doesn't... You feel like... NaNoWriMo rests on this premise that we are all... lazy we're all doomed to be procrastinators unless we whip ourselves and force ourselves and chain ourselves to the desk that with that we'll procrastinate and the only way we can do it is in these big exciting binges the same way that you cram for a test or write a university paper on the last night now of course i've had a procrastination expert Dr. Tim Pitchell on the show a couple of weeks ago. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I really, really recommend you do. Because I, since doing that episode, since recording, which we are recorded it quite a few weeks before, there was a slot for me to put it out. I have taken his advice and, and my life's just been transformed. I'm now like 35,000 words into a new 
into a new work in progress, into a new novel. And it's been easy to write. You know what? It's not only been easy, it's been really fun. I've been having a great time. I don't have to guilt trip myself into it. I want to write it. I often find myself when I've got a moment at the computer, even when like I'm playing a video game, I find a moment to pause the game to just write another paragraph. I just have the file open and I'm tapping away at it because I'm having a nice time. And the reason I'm having a nice time is because my anxiety has gone down, because I'm writing because I want to. And this is the thing about NaNoWriMo. And this is why I made that ridiculous and completely untrue analogy at the beginning, by the way. Things, in case you're worried, things between me and my wife are, are absolutely excellent. I love her to bits and we are very, very happy. And I love going on holiday with my wife. She's wonderful company, tremendous fun. But the analogy stands, right? If you were in a relationship and things weren't going well, there was stress, you weren't communicating well, you were finding ways to avoid one another's company, would you think the best way to deal with it would be to force yourselves to be together for a month? as an obligation and frame it as an ordeal to be endured on the basis that you would just have to squash it and work things out? Or do you think the sensible thing would be to sit down and say, hey, like something's gone wrong here, but I know that there have been times we've had amazing, wonderful times together that have been some of the most amazing times of my life. I've valued it so much. And so I'm asking you, can we sit down and see whether we can renegotiate this, whether we can make things better, whether we can find a way of making this relationship everything I believe it can be. Because I don't mind doing the work, but I only get this one life and I'd like our time together to be joyous, to be productive, to be fantastic. I, I, I think I'm allowed to want magic. I think I'm allowed to want passion. I think I'm allowed and I deserve happiness and growth and all of those things. And I think you do too. Now, here's the thing. You're, a, you're a, all of those things in that analogy are true for your writing. You're allowed to have joy when you write. That's not an indulgence and it's not a ridiculous want and it's not unattainable. You're allowed to want to sit down to write. You're allowed to do it because it's sustaining and fulfilling. And you're allowed to be good at it as well. And all of these things are a kind of virtuous spiral where the more you enjoy writing, the more you're able to negotiate it so you feel like you've got your sovereignty back, that you're choosing to turn up and write. The, the less that it, you frame it as a endurance event and the more you frame it as something that's for you, a process of discovery, a form of, you know, like gardening, like... And, and of course there'd be moments where... The old feelings come back where you worry, oh God, have I got this wrong? Where you feel tired, where maybe you don't feel exactly like sitting down at the computer. But remembering that who it's for, who this writing is for, which is for you, 
right? And if you've ever written something or created a story in your head or anywhere and that's brought you joy, you know that what I'm talking about is not pie-in-the-sky bollocks, right? It's it's something you can do and enjoy and something that I think you can enjoy while not being shit at it, right? I don't think enjoying it is a sign that your critical faculties have died. Re- reading your work as you do it and going, this is definitely the best thing that anyone's ever written. Um, certainly you might have a slight rude awakening on upon rereading it, although I think taking joy in it and going, this is fucking cool. Because you, I mean, it might be the might be your favourite thing you've ever read because you're writing for yourself, right? You're writing because this book doesn't exist. So, of course, you're going to be excited about it. Why Why should it be? <laughs> like, why, why would you need... If your relationship with writing was all right, why would you need an endurance event like NaNoWriMo? If you've been saving something up and going, I'm going to do this during NaNo, something is wrong that NaNoWriMo is not going to fix. In fact, I put it to you. Something is wrong that NaNoWriMo will probably exacerbate and make much, much worse. Possibly fatally worse. Over a dozen people have, uh, without my bringing up NaNoWriMo, have you know emailed me to say that they did NaNoWriMo and then didn't write for a year, two years, three years afterwards. Not just one person, multiple people. And I, I, I dare say plenty of people who did the course have have said well I you know for years I didn't write and so much of that comes down to inadequacy and guilt and feeling that 10 minutes isn't enough you're always looking for the big score you're always looking for when I can go on a writing retreat when I get a when this bit of work finishes when I've moved out when I've got a house you know so I can finally feel settled when I don't have these stressful flatmates when I'm not so tired from the job when all of those things are legitimate stresses in your life I'm not saying you're whinging or like going how dare you make these excuses but for for you to not write during stressful things or difficult things in your life shows that you consider writing a, a sort of difficult obligation rather than something a refuge you know rather than a place you can go rather than a treat for yourself when I years ago when I I guess was just on the verge of having a nervous breakdown which isn't a clinically recognized uh condition or it's it's, you know it's not it's not it's not an actual definition that is used in psychiatry it's just one that you know it's a cultural thing and I don't mind using it about myself what I mean is a you know, a mental collapse where I was incredibly depressed and incredibly stressed and I couldn't function or didn't feel I could function. I had one of those one-a-day tear-off calendars. You know, the ones where each day it's got a different picture and you tear it off for the next day? And I might have talked about this on the podcast before, but it was a a Chinese propaganda poster one. And, I, I mean, I... I'm, you know, always been. I've been. A, I'm a real history buff. I never retain any of it in my head. I, I love reading history. I was going to say I'm a history buff, but I'm not. I'm just a history lover because I read it, and almost instantly it disappears. Uh, it burns off like so much morning fog from my my brain. 
and I don't re- retain any of it. So you wouldn't know that I'd spent all this time reading about it. But I, you know, I really, really love particularly reading about 20th century Southeast Asian history. And so I had all these Chinese propaganda posters and they were always really interesting to me and kind of fascinating artefacts of a certain period. And I remember, the, and the reason I'm telling you this and the reason why I think it's relevant to you is because I remember when I was at my worst, I looked at my calendar and it was like a couple of days behind. And I felt guilty that I wasn't keeping up with it. But it was just there on my desk and I I couldn't... I felt like I couldn't face turning... I felt like I couldn't face tearing off another page. Just catching up felt like too much. So if someone can feel like that about literally tearing a sheet of a calendar, I want you to know I can understand how you can feel that way about writing the novel you've wanted to write. And when I talked to Dr Tim Pitcher, one of the things he did talk about was this idea that, uh, you know, something is not going to be unfamiliar to you. A lot of the stuff he talked about actually was not weirdly sort of like esoteric uh, ideas that you will have never occurred to you before. It's just the fact that he was backing them up with clinical evidence with peer-reviewed trials with data from MRI scans with 20 years of studies to, to to basically give you the confidence if you apply this it will work and I've been applying it to my own life and it has worked and I've been a chronic procrastinator and anxiety sufferer for the last almost 20 years and uh, it's made a huge difference to me a huge difference I wouldn't I don't say that lightly and I'm not saying you know I don't want to give false hope to anyone but you know I'm on medication for anxiety I you know deal with all sorts of issues coming off the back of that and it's been really serious in my life it's been debilitating and it's been a chronic condition and I'm doing the best I have in ages so I don't say this lightly when I say he talks about this idea of breaking things down into small things and looking for what is the next positive thing I can do. What Looking around saying, what's the next positive thing I can do? What's the one thing? So write, saying I will write a novel is a fundamentally unexecutable command for your brain to process. Nobody can write a novel. You, you can start writing a sentence. You can... You can open a laptop, you can open Word in your laptop or uh, Google Docs or Noveler or whatever. You can op- take a book down off your shelf and open it to look for a piece of research. But these huge category things like I'm going to write a novel is, is too big for the brain. to. The- it's a fundamentally unexecutable command. It's just... It just sits there like a weight in your belly, like just five kilograms of cold porridge weighing you down. It weighs on your heart. It's this thing. It's this guilty thing. And if you are considering doing NaNoWriMo next month, this is my plea to you. 
Now, you know, other people are going to be talking about, hey, Nano's coming up. And this is, these are my top tips for getting through NaNoWriMo. One, I would say, uh, ask yourself, on what authority is this person making these claims? Are they... Do they, are they, have they written a novel? Are they a published author? You know, and I include sort of self-published in that. I'm not being sort of e-published indie authors. I'm not being a snob about trad publishing or anything like that. I just mean, have they gone through the process a few times? Uh, have they found, and if they, you know, if they are uh, self-pubbed, have they found an audience for their work? If they have, that's, that's cool. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to start... I don't. We. <laughs> I want to maintain the trad pub, uh, indie pub, uh, demilitarized zone, and say packs. It's you know. Don't want to start this a big flame war. Uh, I love you. There's loads of authors out there, uh, indie epub authors who I have huge respect for. Um, it's not. I'm, I don't mean that. I just mean on what authority is this person? making these claims about NaNoWriMo, are they a trustworthy source? How is it working for them? Are they producing novels off the back of their own advice? If they're not, they could still be talking sense, right? Like, they could still be talking sense. Like, I could be a... I, could, I'm, I am a shit footballer but I could probably go and do some research and give some advice on cone drills and taking set pieces. And some of that might be true. You know, I could just repeat verbatim stuff that experienced footballers and managers had said, and it might be true. So just because someone's shit at something and doesn't and lacks a skill doesn't mean the advice they give is bad, but I certainly would urge you to be more sceptical and to weigh it more carefully if they don't have a publishing history behind them of and the books and are the books good or are they shit right so that's that's one okay two i don't know wait, i don't know why i'm doing this as a list i don't think i said it was going to be a list i think i've look what i'm saying is don't do NaNoWriMo. That's what I don't I don't need to make a list of reasons why, right? Don't do NaNoWriMo. I beg of you, instead of sitting down and trying to knock out a novel in a month. And by the way, 50,000 words is not a novel length. I can't think of any commercially published novel that is 50,000 words. So the idea that it is National Novel Writing Month is bollocks. That's not a novel. 50,000 words is not a novel. You're looking at a minimum 65,000. The average novel is probably eighty to 90,000. If you're talking genre fiction, you know, my novel, first novel, The Honours, was 125,000. The Ice House, which, oh my God, fucking hell, I nearly forgot to tell you. Guess what dropped through the door this morning, through the my letterbox? The first ever uncorrected proofs of my new novel, The Ice House. Uh, it's not going to be out till uh, May 2019 in the UK, in hardback. But um, I've got I've got fucking copies, guys. And I didn't realise how excited I was going to be until I'm holding it in my hand. I've got it here. And there's my words on a page. And I went out into the back garden and I had to do like plyometric jumps on the patio for five minutes, just working off all my access energy because I was so excited. Um, and that this book took me four years. It took four years because like that's how long it took. I don't think it would have been helped by me trying to hammer through it in a month. In fact, I think it, when I 
started to feel like I needed to get it finished, that's when it became really hard for me. When I started asking myself how many, you know, I got to the stage where I was writing 12,000, 14,000 words a week doing it. And I ended up writing about quarter of a million words of first draft. And I was just... Every time I saw it had gone in the wrong direction and knew I had to delete words, it was like a horrible stress because I was like, I was losing that precious word count. Well, here's the thing. Word count's bollocks. It's not a great metric of how well you're doing. The, a good metric of how well you're doing is, are you enjoying yourself? Are the ideas flowing? Do you feel excited and happy and fresh when you sit down to write? Instead of doing NaNoWriMo, I... I ask you, I implore you, I beseech you. If you haven't been writing and you think, finally, I'm going to give some time to my writing, I'm going to do NaNoWriMo, I, I just beg of you, please, just commit yourself to doing 10 minutes of writing a day, 10 minutes of free writes a day, where you just get your pen and you write whatever you want for 10 minutes, and then when the timer goes, you stop. If that isn't something that you're doing already, if you're not putting at least 10 minutes into writing every day and you're like, Tim, no, but I want to write a whole novel. What on earth makes you think you're qualified to do that yet if you haven't been able to do it so far? Well, I haven't chosen to. Look, if you genuinely believe in yourself as a writer, if you genuinely want to do the whole the whole George McFly thing and kind of open your box of novels and be excited... The best way you can do that is to build a sustainable practice where writing is something that brings you joy. And if you want to do that, you need to make it a treat for yourself. You need to you need to hold back a little bit and, and let it become coded in your brain as something that you kind of look forward to and yearn for. And you're not going to do that. If you're forcing yourself to do it every day, it doesn't become a habit. It becomes uh, an arduous responsibility. And, the st and if you write that quickly during NaNoWriMo under that much pressure, you're going to write... The book you write is going to be dog shit, mate. It's going to be so bad. And if you write for 10 minutes every day and you write free writes i guarantee you you're going to look back at the end of that month and you're going to find some stuff and go holy shit this isn't bad there's gonna be something in a character's voice that you don't have you don't remember writing you wrote it like in the 10 minutes just after you'd got up you picked up your your um you, your writing book your pad and you scribbled it down and you look back at it and you go holy shit who wrote this this is like i was channeling someone I want to hear I want to hear more from her. She's really interesting. It If you really have to write more than that, you know, if you, if you if you or if you have been, you know, right you've had a reasonably sustained writing practice, do something like the exercise that uh, the novelist Andrew Cowan suggested on the podcast a couple of weeks ago where he had been stuck and he wrote down on the first morning, he wrote down a list of 10 vivid memories from his childhood. 
10 really strong sensory memories, 10 really strong memories. And then for the next 10 mornings, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 14, I can't remember. He would sit down, put one of those memories as a heading and and write for an hour. And when the hour was up, he'd stop. Have you considered doing something like that? Now, you may say, well, I don't want to write autobiography. Fine. Uh, but you could apply that tactic to almost anything. You know, you could write down 10 characters that are going to appear in, in the book you want to write and then commit to each day spending an hour writing one of those characters' names at the top of the page and writing a scene that they're in or a bit of, you know, a first-person narration from them or a letter or an email that they've sent to someone. You... Or a dialogue between you and them. An interview. All of these things are like, you just commit yourself to playing. The idea that you would not be writing or that you find writing hard and the best way to get around that is turning it into product. It's not going to work. And it doesn't work. It consistently doesn't work. That's why at the end of NaNoWriMo you haven't got all these people going, launching dazzling publishing careers. These are why all these people doing NaNoWriMo don't go on to become authors. Because it it breaks you. And the single most useful skill to cultivate as an author is patience. That is going to get you through so much shit. It's just going, looking at that chapter and reading it back and going, well, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't good. Yet. That one word. I don't know how to write dialogue. Yet. Oh my God. This ending doesn't work at all. Yet. Doesn't, doesn't, you can't add it to everything. You can't go. <laughs> this sex, sex scene is really embarrassing and shit. Yet. Well, I suppose it's about, well, yet in, it exists in a different sense there. Yet. I have biscuits, so uh, I'm all right. No, but like, this is the thing. It's like, right, you, the the stuff you produce is always in flux. And so, the sooner you can like really commit that and feel that and give yourself permission for that to be true, the happier you will be. So this is my plea to you. Don't do NaNoWriMo. Give yourself the gift of play this November. Give yourself the gift of farting around. Giving, give yourself the gift of the writing not being for the benefit of proving some point, of forcing some endurance test, of the social proof of some people going yay well done you've got this you've done this many words the writing will be bad you will feel tired you'll look back at it and go that shit i'm a shit writer and you will oh my god december will come and you'll go oh i don't have to write 
if you do 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes free writes about nothing, about everything, about whatever's in your head, you the idea that on 1st of December you'd have to stop, you will cling to that. You'll go, oh God, I don't want it to end. And people do, and it's not me, that I don't want to, I just want to say I'm not bigging up like the Couch to 80k, of course I did, but people you know i see them online and i email me and they go i'm i'm on week seven i'm on week eight i i'm gonna be really sad when this is over now it's not because not because i'm brilliant i'm a nice enough person but that's not the reason it's because they've learned to love their writing the thing that they're gonna miss is being with their writing is writing and of course then of course all i have to say is you don't have to stop you can keep going you can you're allowed to, to fuck about as a writer the, the, the very business of creation is pissing about. That, yeah, that, that is our bread and butter, is, is pissing about and getting it wrong and having fun and being mischievous, being naughty. NaNoWriMo doesn't offer you any of those things. It's just It's just a... It's just a shitty endurance race that is about how your writing looks to others. Because no one, you don't, because it's not worth, you don't ever feel like boasting about it, do you? If you go, oh, I wrote 10 minutes today. But you might enjoy it. You know, this whole, I've got, you know, these proof copies of the Ice House. It's a physical book now. It really exists. Great. Lovely. It feels nice. I didn't enjoy writing some of it because I was really fucking mean to myself. I was shitful to myself. I was constantly telling myself, you are fucking right. Why can't you write? You stupid prick. You're useless. Why can't you? You are, don't deserve to be a writer. You are so shit. And I made it miserable for myself. And I really had to do this process of this is why I wrote the course, because it was about me, really. It was about me trying to find ways. It was all the advice I wanted to give myself about l learning to love writing again falling back in love you know if you're in it for the day that you uh, rip open that cardboard box and take your book out and hold it in your hands i have to tell you you are in the wrong business it's a it's a waste of time it is not worth it if that is what you're pushing for if you can enjoy it while you do it then Oh my gosh, it's so worth it. It's it's you know it's what I've given my life to, and you get this one one life as a human being, as far as I'm aware, to the best of my knowledge, probably this is it, and then I'll die and it'll all be gone. I won't even remember that I was ever alive. There won't be an eye. And so, what am I going to do with this one finite life? Well. I think imagining things were otherwise is one of the most transcendent joys I've ever experienced. And it's made me more awake to the way things actually are and it's made me more grateful for the way things actually are. Don't cheat yourself of that. You are worth so much and your writing and your imagination 
and your mental health are all so precious and the publishing world and me we we will wait for your great stories you're not under any pressure you can write them when you're ready to write them if you want to I'd love to read them but don't feel that you have to bash something out don't I was just you know just reading an article today about crunch culture at Rockstar Games uh they've just released Red Dead Dead Redemption 2 by all accounts is very good but hearing about staff working 60 hour 80 hour weeks to get the game finished and play tested and out on time in the lead up to Christmas and uh people sleeping in sleeping bags under their desks and working six day weeks and then being asked to give up their Sundays to work seven day weeks 8 30 to 6 30 p.m and people saying how it's affected their relationships how it's reflected affected their mental health how they don't feel they can go on how they don't really feel like they can work in games and tech anymore It's not worth it. We get this one life and we deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. And you will write more and it will be better. This is my genuine belief from lots and lots of chatting to authors and writing myself and speaking to social psychologists and and, and reading up the very boring literature on uh, neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. You will write more and better and have a happier life if you renegotiate your relationship with writing to make sure it is giving you everything you deserve. I'm going to leave it there. I hope this has been useful to you. I hope it's what you needed to hear. If you do, if you are still doing NaNoWriMo, I hope I haven't bummed you out too much. I don't dislike you or think any less of you for doing it. I'm only saying this because I love you and I want you to have a good time. All right. See you next time. Take care. I'm just, I hope you have the most lovely time writing. <laughs>